Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Okay. So, Scott, there's some there's some conflicting reports out there about one Taylor Hall, if you want to get to that now. And obviously, Nick Foligno was practicing in a non-contact jersey, but first time back with the team at Warrior this week. And so these are good signs for the Bruins from a health perspective. But, Scott, um, that, that, damn, that damn salary cap, is there an issue here? Uh, so I guess it depends on who you talk to, because Darren Drager went on, TSN Tuesday night on their insider trading segment and said, according to his sources, Taylor Hall feels that he is ready. The problem is the Bruins don't have the cap space to activate him. Uh, You know, went on to say that people around the league are interested to see how the Bruins manage this. Do they try to stretch it out like the lightning did with Nikita Kucherov and not bring him back till the start of the playoffs? Uh, Jim Montgomery was asked about that report after the game and said, the only thing I can say is that I know that he is not cleared. That's what I know. So that report to me is false. Um, what's interesting to me is that Dreger didn't mention anything about moving either Felino or Derek Forbert to long-term IR, which unless it's part of the cap that I'm missing, which I don't think there is because even at on Twitch tweeted out last night, and those people are like cap well beyond what I am. And the Bruins can do this; like they can just move one of those other guys to LTIR, and they have enough cap space to activate Hall. So I don't know, you know, why Drager left that out, or or seemed to be, or maybe he was just expecting everyone to be healthy before the end of the regular season, but. You know, the Bruins have said that, uh, or Montgomery said that they don't expect forward back until the playoffs. So I feel like you could do that. And then you might have to send someone down. Like, I think you'd probably have to send down a Steen or maybe even a Lyo um, to free up an extra, you know, few hundred thousand more. But they there are ways they can activate Taylor Hall off long-term IR before the end of the regular season. So I don't. It was just odd that Drager left that part of it out 
Um, you know, I guess that the story would be like if if Hall really does think he's ready, and you know, if that leaks like coming from him or his camp, then that we puts the pressure on the broom to not drag it out as long. But I don't drag out the Hall like, until he's until one hundred percent. They don't want to rush it or bring him back at eighty five, but. They, you know, they're probably going to try a Hall, Coil, Bertuzzi third line, and I think they want to try that in regular season games, and not have the first time be, you know, game one of the playoffs. So, I, I don't think it's like the Kucherov situation because I don't think the Bruins really want to drag this all the way into the playoffs. I think they would prefer to probably move Felino or, or Forbert to LTIR and get Hall into some games. Um, because his return is the one that creates more lineup questions that where you, you're, you're, you know, probably trying some different things. Whereas Felino and Forbert are more, you can just plug those guys back in and play. Like Felino's going on the fourth line when, whenever he's back in. Forbert's going on the third pairing whenever he's back in. So you don't have to te- test stuff and move stuff around with those guys. So. Yeah, it was it was interesting Drager's report, but I I felt like it was missing some context for sure. So I want to ask you a very very oversimplified question to probably a more complicated answer, but I feel like it's one that a lot of Bruins fans are probably thinking to themselves. I know I am, and I'm too lazy to really do all the homework on it, so that's why I have you here. But um, so like, if like, is there a scenario where in the playoffs the Bruins can ice? all their trade deadline acquisitions in addition to Taylor Hall, Nick Foligno and Derek Forbert. Like, like what's like, cause, cause I feel like what we've been talking about the whole time is like one of them is going to have to be out first, but like what happens when they're all say it's like the second round or like, or end of the first round. And they're like, they're all good to go. Like Hathaway, Orloff, Bertuzzi, Forbert, Felino, Taylor Hall. And like the Bruins finally have this like just super roster. Like, can they? Can that happen, or does somebody always have to kind of like be? I don't know, stipend. I don't no, know. That, that they they can do it. Uh, no salary cap in the playoffs, and there's no roster limit, so they can they can have everyone have, and then you're then the only limit is you know your 18 skaters per game. But yeah, as far as having everyone with the team on the active roster, uh, they can absolutely do that once the playoffs start because there's no limits like there is in the regular season. Okay. So it's as simple as that. Like playoffs, it's just, it's anything goes. It's all of that. That's why it's all about the maneuvering at the deadline. Cause once you have the roster at the deadline, you can fix Then it's just cap manipulation until game 82 f- finishes. Yeah. The, the one thing I would add is like the, the rules for LTIR carry into the playoffs. So I think it's, it's 10 games or 24 days or something. I believe is, you know, you have to be on LTIR at least that long, but that is retroactive. So like, even if you moved Forbert or Felino to LTIR now, it doesn't reset the clock. It would still date to the time of their injuries and both would be at that amount of time by the time the playoffs start. So there would be no issue of like, they haven't been on LTIR long enough, so they can't come off while the Bruins in, in the perspective as well. 
So Scott, the uh, the Bruins were not able to clinch the President's Trophy last night, I don't believe, because they didn't get the victory. But that's obviously a looming uh, accomplishment. And, you know, the 64 wins is still on the table, I suppose. But I think we're both in agreement here that what they should be focusing on is maintaining health and, and good habits going into the playoffs. Um, is there anything in particular from the Nashville game that we didn't cover you want to go over or just anything regarding the Bruins of the league in general? Or your BU Terriers, obviously, going to the Frozen Four, whatever. Uh, on the national game, I don't really think so. The the one thing we haven't mentioned yet is Montgomery did switch up his lines in the third period, reunited the perfection line, dropped DeBrusque down with Krejci and Zaka. And, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily what sparked him in the third period and finally got them generating some offense or if it was just kind of that usual second intermission wake up call that they've, you know, had a few times this year, but obviously they, they did play better in the third period. It was just too little, too late. Um, you know, you, you're facing a really good goalie in UC Saros and he was, you know, wasn't tested a ton. The first two periods wasn't the third and was really on his game. So, um, but you know, I think it was the first time in a while that we had seen, that in-game switch for for more than like a random shift here and there so you know it was pretty much the entire third period so that was interesting i I think it's probably good to do that a couple times down the stretch anyways just not so much for the perfection line which like those guys are always going to have their chemistry it's like riding a bike but you know give debrusque crazy zaka a look like because you could go to that in the playoffs for a little bit so um yeah, just found that interesting. That was really it from that game. Uh, I have a complaint about the Frozen Four, actually, because I noticed this, uh, like, just yesterday. So the National Championship game is a week from this coming Saturday at 8 o'clock on ESPN. Also, at 8 o'clock on ABC, which is the same company, is Bruins versus Devils. And I'm like, so selfishly, I'm like, okay, I might be having to cover a Bruins game while my BU Terriers are playing for national title, which I'm bummed about. But I'm also like, how does this make sense for ESPN? Like, why are they putting a really good NHL matchup in primetime on ABC and like then totally burying their national championship? Like, wouldn't wouldn't you want to, you know, like you have the frozen four rights, you know, I think they care about it to some extent. Like, why would you do that? Why would you put it up against a primetime NHL elite NHL matchup on your, on your own network? Like I saw that. And I was like, that is very bizarre. Like, I don't know. I don't pretend to fully understand TV or, or whatever, but that struck me as really odd. I was like, they, they could have done double header. Like, so many other options instead they're going up against each other. Yeah. I think that's probably, I think a, uh, yeah, I think, I think a five thirty or five o'clock Bruins devils game would have been, would have been great. But then again, there's also other things to, to consider like building availability and this and that. I mean, I don't really know. I mean, automatic is it, is, is that game at the garden or is that game in New Jersey? Probably. Uh, Bruin, Bruins games at the garden garden. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I mean, I feel like if the Garden is available for an 8 o'clock game, it would be available for a 5 o'clock game. So I don't think that should, that should be a big deal. But, yeah, I mean, 
doubleheader would have been smart. I mean, obviously, I don't think it's a big secret that you know ESPN and Disney doesn't really view college hockey as a big moneymaker like they do the NCAA uh, basketball tournaments and and football certainly. But um, if if you're trying to promote the game in general and and, and the product, then yeah, uh, seems pretty counterintuitive. But then again, they also have a very very new deal with the NHL, and that's obviously their priority number one is to is to um, promote a you know a primetime NHL game and, and it just happens like you mentioned that the Bruins and Devils are both really good so it doesn't make a ton of sense but you know uh, big business doesn't always care so <laughs> that's kind of the way that it works but that'll be fun but they're not in the Frozen Four championship yet right they still have the semifinals it's the night before right it's, it's correct yeah Friday, they have Friday. to they have to beat Minnesota which is uh so that's a week from Thursday is the semifinals. And yeah, that they're facing the number one overall seed Minnesota, which is which is a very tough matchup. Um but I'll give them a chance. And then it's Michigan, Quinnipiac, and the other one. So I was talking to uh a couple of the BU guys on the Bruins yesterday, just like around the locker room during morning skate. And uh they're like, Yeah, I just hope it's not Quinnipiac because Connor Clifton's going to be insufferable if they win the national title. I'm sure he would be. Well, Scott, good luck to you and your Terriers, and thank you, everybody else, for listening. We will talk to you very soon.